of our prayer has to be according to the will of God, not our own uh, selfish motives, if that happens to be the case. Our prayers are addressed to God. There are those who say that it's okay to pray to Jesus, but we do not find in the New Testament where Jesus was prayed to. We find the fact that we're to ask in his name. It must be in the name of Christ. Also, if we want our prayers to be answered, we must have a forgiving spirit. We talked a little bit about that this morning in our class, uh, forgiving. Uh, we talked about character of Christians, humbleness, meekness, so on and so forth. But we must have a forgiving spirit. And we mentioned in class Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. Uh, another thing is humbleness. Luke, the 18th chapter, verses 9 through 14. If you'll read that, you'll see where the mindset of humbleness plays a part in our having our prayers answered. Also, we must be faithful to God. If we're not faithful to God, why should God answer our prayers? You know, oftentimes as parents, we allow our children to do certain things based on condition. For instance, uh, if our children want to do a particular thing, we say, well, you have to clean your room before you can do that. Well, if our children or our child does not do that, then why should we allow that child to have the thing that they want? Is that really any different than God? So we must be faithful in what we do. We must abide in righteousness. We must keep God's commandments. We must pray fervently and earnestly. And there's some more that we could add to this list, but I think you understand that prayer is conditional. Uh, just like salvation is conditional. There are some types of prayer. The Bible talks about types of prayer. One, we have a prayer of request where we ask God for something. There's a prayer of thanksgiving where we thank God. There are individual prayers which we all should be involved in. Uh, and then there is the fact of a group prayer where the group prays or someone prays for the group. Uh, there are general prayers, dealing with just general issues. And then there are specific prayers. Oftentimes, I have been involved in prayer sessions for, uh, for specific uh, things. So we can have specific prayer, special prayer. We can pray for things present. We can pray for things future. And we can pray for things... For God to answer that will help further His will, His gospel, and so on. So there are different types of prayer. Now, what prayer is not? Have you ever thought about that? What prayer is not? Now, the, the world misunderstands prayer. They don't know the Word of God. They think, you know, many believe that if they just ask God to forgive them, God's going to forgive them. We understand about misunderstanding spiritual matters. When people say that all you have to do is believe and go to heaven, they misunderstand the Scriptures because the Scriptures do not teach that. But prayer is not a stump speech to God. Many of you understand what a stump speech is. It's not getting up and proving how great we are to God, blowing our own horn. Also, this is one that is used very often by people. It's not an emergency device. 
Have you known people who don't really have anything to do with God until something bad happens and all of a sudden they want God to help them out? They'll throw up an emergency prayer. And then after the situation passes, they, they're back to their normal selves. But, you know, we could also fall into that trap even as children of God. We need to have an active prayer life as children of God. Not just praying to God here and there, and especially if we get in a situation. It's not wrong to ask God to help you out of a situation. It's not wrong. But if our lives are not right with God, then it probably won't be answered. Prayer is not a substitute, a substitute for obedience. By that I mean some people will ask God for whatever and then think that's good enough that they don't have to obey God in any way, just talk to Him every now and then. So therefore it's not a substitute for obedience. And people say, well, God knows my heart. I don't really have to, to do this or that. God knows my heart. Well, unfortunately, that's not the case as far as allowing them to continue in what they do and be okay with it. Prayer is not to inform God of the faults of other people. It's not to scorn our fellow man. We need to pray correctly when we're praying for others. As we looked at this morning in class, we need to pray for our enemies. So these are a couple of things that prayer is not. Did you know that there are some hindrances to prayer? Such as hypocrisy. As the Bible talks about vain repetition, there are some religions who teach... Uh, and you may have seen it too, either received a letter or whatever to say, you know, you need to repeat this prayer nine times and then send it on to somebody else. And, you know, people get off on what is uh, taught in the Bible as far as prayer. Sin will keep our prayers from being answered. Selfishness. Just chaos in our lives to where we're not trying to straighten it out. A lack of faith. Also, how often we pray could be a hindrance to our prayers being answered. As Christians, how strong of a prayer life do we have? Duration of a prayer. Now, we know that the Bible doesn't say how long a prayer is supposed to be. I remember a movie one time, and some of you may have or may have seen it, may remember it, and if I remember it correctly, uh, I think it was called Thunder Road. And if I could recall correctly, they were sitting, the family was sitting at the table, and these were moonshine people, moonshiners, and the mother wanted the son to offer thanks for the food. He said, good food, good meat, I'm hungry, let's eat. Now, uh, she kind of adjusted his attitude at the table, but we can see how people could be so flippant and throw up something so insincere and so quick that it would be a hindrance in having it answered. And also ritualism. We understand about the different ritualisms in religion and throughout the world. So these are a couple of things dealing with prayer. Now, let's look at prayer from the point of where there is prayer, there is communication with God.
Psalm 4 and verse 1. Hear me when I call, O my God of righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. David was a man of prayer. If you read through the Psalms, you'll see how David was a, a man of prayer and how he believed in prayer and how he turned to God when he needed him in many instances. Not that David didn't turn to God uh, throughout his life, but yet we know from the situations that David found himself in that he, he was a man of prayer. The Proverbs writer, Solomon, Proverbs fifteen twenty nine. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. John nine thirty one says that God heareth not the prayers of sinners. He heareth not sinners. Luke one thirteen. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. This tells us that communication with God is there. We can study through the scriptures and we can find the righteous people of God praying to God and God answering those prayers. So whenever we see the fact of righteous people praying, we see God answering those prayers. It is communication. It is the way that we communicate with God. It is the way God has allowed us to communicate with Him. You know, it's hard to imagine not being able to have any communication with our God. We know what His Word says, but there was no way for us to communicate with Him. I don't, it's really hard to comprehend that. But we don't have to worry about that because God has made it possible for us to have prayer and to communicate with Him. Another one, where there is prayer, there is the power of God. Psalm 66, 7 tells us that God rules by His power. God is all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. We know God has power. He's omnipotent. Have you ever thought about the situation with Jonah and the fish or the whale, as some people like to look at? In Jonah, the second chapter, in verse 10, says, And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited Jonah upon the dry land. Now, we know that Jonah is real. We know that this situation existed because Christ mentioned it in the connection or the analogy of the three days that he would spend in the earth. As Jonah was three days in the well, in the belly of the fish, but I, as I read this, and I've, I've read this several times, but then it finally struck me that God spoke to the fish. <laughs> and what did it do? It obeyed God. When God spoke to the fish, it vomited Jonah upon dry land. Now, first of all, this fish would have to be big enough to swallow a human being. But then it says he did it on dry, dry ground. Where's the fish normally? It's in water. Why wouldn't he normally regurgitate in the water? It says he did it upon dry ground. But it's interesting how the fish obeyed God. Now, I'm not trying to say that 
animals and all have the same line of thinking that we do. That's not what I'm saying. But here we find that God spoke and we see the power. And of course, we can go back to Genesis, the first chapter, and we can see that in the very beginning that God created things by speaking things into existence. So there is power, and where there is power, in the, and where there's prayer in the Christian's life, there's power. Behind the divine speaking is the divine authority and power. Acts the ninth chapter, verses 39 through 41, if you want to read that, especially in verse 40. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Peter prayed to God. We see the power in the answer of that prayer, bringing someone back from being dead. And we know that she was dead because the Scriptures tell us that. Not like what happens today to some people to where their heartbeat or whatever goes so low that you can't detect it. And they're considered to be dead, but they're not really dead. These people... What about Lazarus? When he was called forth from the grave, power, the power of God is seen in prayer. Where there is prayer, there is intercession. Why do we pray? Because we want God to intercede. In other words, we want God to be involved. What is intercession? It's the act of interceding. It's the act of being involved. And we want God to do that. It can be a prayer to where we're praying for someone, wanting God to intercede on the behalf of someone, and we do that all the time. We have prayers of intercession every time because we pray for those who are sick. So we're praying for God to intercede and to take away that sickness or that health issue. We know that there is power in the intercession because those prayers are answered. We oftentimes pray for ourselves. And as bad as, bad as I hate to say this, most of the time we probably pray for ourselves more than we do others. It's not wrong to pray for ourselves because we have needs also. We have situations that we want God to help us with. So therefore, as Paul says, Philippians 4, verse 6, Be careful for nothing or anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God. So we pray for ourselves, which is okay. But it is a prayer of intercession, and where there is prayer, there is intercession. Where there is prayer, there are blessings. If you will, turn over to the book of James. I think James is one of the, uh, or certain passages out of the book of James, is some of the best information that we have on our prayers and how we're to handle them. Because, as I mentioned in the beginning of the, the sermon, those things that can hinder our prayer. Well, we don't want to hinder our prayers. We want to make sure 
that when we ask God for something, that God will answer our prayers. And the fact of making sure we ask correctly. And I think that James says it very plainly here about our prayers being answered and why sometimes they are not answered. And I know it's most definitely true in my life that times I have not uh, had the faith that I needed to have in order to have my prayers answered. Beginning in the, uh, with the first chapter, although James is addressing the idea of wisdom here, he makes some important statements about prayer. Beginning in verse 6, But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Notice what verse 6 says. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. In other words, no doubt. Take God at his word that he will bless us, but it has to be that we're asking correctly. I've used this exa example before. If I need a car, I need to ask God to provide me a means of transportation. Nothing wrong with that. But if I say, Lord, would you mind giving me a 2014 Ferrari? I think I've missed the point of prayer and of God's blessings. So we have to ask according to His will. But faith has to be key. Well, I hope God will answer my prayer. I don't know, but you know, I, just, I just hope He will. I think that's a common reaction from you know, for people. But we have to fight against that. We have to overcome that and make sure that we have faith in God answering our prayers. It is difficult. With a lot of things we face and the way things are, it is difficult. But it is the way that we need to do it. Because if we waver, and notice what he says in verse 7, For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. How important is our faith in having our prayers answered. Extremely important. Extremely important. So we see the fact of faith being the key, if one of the keys, if not the key, of having our prayers answered. Where there is prayer, there are blessings. Blessings are for the children of God. All blessings exist in Christ. And if we want to have these blessings of God, prayer, forgiveness, so on and so forth, if we want to be in the right relationship with God, we have to do it according to His will. If I want my prayers answered, it has to be according to God's will. If I want my prayers to answer, I have to be a child of God. If, I have, if, I, if I'm going to be a child of God, then I'm going to be in a position that is different from an alien sinner. A child of God is in the position to receive God's blessings. Prayer is one of those. Answering our, uh, having our prayers answered is another. But how does a person become a child of God? Uh, if you take a survey of the world, you're going to get different ideas and views of what it takes to become a child of God. Well, the Bible tells us what it takes to become a child of God in order for us to enjoy these blessings. 
First of all, we have to have faith. We just talked about that. Well, how do we get faith? Faith comes by hearing God's word, Romans 10, 17. Well, that's great. Okay, I understand about faith. But what's next? Believing in Jesus Christ. Well, belief is absolutely necessary. Jesus said, except ye believe, notice that word except, ye believe ye shall die in your sins. Except you believe that I am He, you shall die in your sins. So we're to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they've been be willing to repent. That's not just to say you're sorry. That means to make changes in your life to follow God and to do His will. You need to repent correctly, repent biblically, not just to say I'm sorry. Confess Christ publicly, as Paul says in Romans 10, 9 and 10. Confession is made with the mouth unto salvation. And then we find also that to be in Christ, to be added to the body of Christ, one must be baptized into Christ. Without being baptized into Christ, one is still on the outside, is not a child of God, is not a member of God's family, therefore not privileged to the blessings of the children. If you have not done those things, you need to make sure that you do them in order to have eternal salvation. I encourage you to do that this morning. Don't put it off because each moment that goes by, your soul is in jeopardy of being lost eternally. As a child of God, if you need to respond to this invitation this morning, pray that you'll do so as we stand and sing.